Welcome to the podcast, season seven, episode two. And today we're going to be talking all about blood glucose in more detail, you know, what it is, why you should care about it, um, and how you can monitor it, and also sort of simple tips that you can do every day to help you stabilize your blood sugar. And yeah, so we are we are all we are all here today. We're all in the same country. Um, for, well, if you're listening, you won't see it, but Leon has shaved his dreadlocks off, which was uh, <laughs> quite a big move. Um, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that affects your blood sugar. Maybe, maybe, maybe protein. No, <laughs> it, it can be used elsewhere. Body weight's dropped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, body weight's down. Yeah. And, and then now more, more protein can be focused on uh, other areas. <laughs> no, you can not, go, no more hair. Go to the muscle. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it, well, it's uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, blood glucose, like any biofeedback, it can be affected by so many things. And uh, we were just talking about tattoos. Um, <laughs> so I could imagine if you were having a, a long tattoo session. Like yours, Andy, 10 hours. I mean, no eating and drinking. That's a no-no that's a no no for blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's you're stressful. meant to be in a meditative state because it's done by a monk with a stick. Mm. That doesn't sound meditative. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty painful, but as in, like, it's the stabbing things constantly because yeah. it's going stab, 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 like the same because there's a lot less damage unlike a gun which yeah before it was tear through the skin um you know it's a bit more precise but um it just takes a long time of not moving yeah you know uh like constant stress fight or flight the well, whole the thing hours. is yeah it's just like pain 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 yeah. Yeah. and like the next day you do feel knackered yeah you know, it's like you've you've, you've been running marathon because yeah, in fact, like, I've done a lot of tattoos then. Internet. Oh. oh, there we go. I think my last one was my foot, which was five hours of, like, agony. Oh. Mm. And then I was meant to go back to get some bits retouched, but I decided not to. Because that was fine for me. Yeah. And then I was getting in between the toes and stuff. Oh, You're like, I'm Bye. good. That's done. <laughs> But like the next day, my foot was really swollen and stuff. Mm. That's why I don't really fancy it. Yeah, it took me about a week to get over that on the foot, but just because swelling and you're always on your feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. Like, it wasn't ideal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're right, yeah. Big impact on yeah, recovery, really. Big time. Um, and, you know, when we're talking about blood glucose, you know, you don't have to be a diabetic to. Um, want to know more about it and to, to even to track yours because it just gives you that much more insight into your body and I like it for many reasons but one of them is you know if you're someone who's always obsessed about aesthetics or looking a certain way like tracking your blood glucose is such a good health marker you know for you to focus on improving instead or or having that as your goal because it's something that you can actually see you know and the same as if you're someone who is 
you know, always stressed, but, but thinks that you're not, you know, your blood glucose does not lie. It shows you a lot that's going on um, in your body. And just, you know, you can tie it in with all the other biofeedback that you track to give you a really, you know, insightful picture. Yeah, also, it's, you know, it's, it's good to just keep an eye on it because you may not even know you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, um, what you know, for me, you know, you're poodling along when you look at the blood test results, well, that's a bit strange. And then, you know, a few things, but you don't have to be, you know, to have blood glucose issues, be overweight. You don't have to, you know, you, you don't, you know, you don't need to, you know, sort of these risk factors but what you need to you know realize is you, know, you can get you know various hereditary issues or you, know, you could be just predisposed to you know diabetes um so the earlier you get on that the easier it is to manage healthier you can become because you know the impact of high blood glucose on things like kidneys yeah, you know, yeah. kidney damage it can occur, which then, you know, you don't want to be having to have dialysis later in life. So as soon as you can understand it, we're better. And I think, you know, it's a relatively cost-effective thing. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's, it's not prohibitively expensive. You don't have to go to a consultant. You don't have to go anywhere. You can just do it at home. And, you know, it's relatively straightforward. Yeah. So I guess, first of all, maybe Andy, you can start off with this, like, what is blood glucose? Um, you know, what happens when you eat food? Um, just the basics on that. Yeah, so generally, um, blood glucose, and glucose in general, is the body's preferred energy component. Um, so in the body, it is stored as glycogen in the muscles, glucose in the liver, and glucose in the bloodstream. So blood glucose is this free-moving energy source through the body to be sent to different cells to do their job. When it's not utilised, it's stored. And yeah, excessive, you know, stored, you know, stored in glycogen, for instance. Um, it can also be stored as you know, body fat. You know, if you've got excessive glucose that isn't being used for energy, it will convert to, to fat and, you know, um, be stored for long-term storage because that's what fat is is just warehousing of energy yeah you know? and so um, essentially you have blood glucose um, when you go to um, need it you know blood glucose is absorbed uh, insulin your body produces insulin from pancreas which then shuttles uh, blood glucose to where it needs to be um T3 cells are what absorb this, and then they're converted to energy in the cells to be used. That's it in the most basic terms. Um, now, after you eat, you, know, you will see blood glucose spikes because you are taking in energy, it's then being put into the blood to be used. Yeah, I mean, insulin happens. Now, what happens with constant high, um, either high food intake or, sort of, you know, especially high glucose intake, so a lot of calorie sugars, everything else, you'll see big raises in blood glucose, and the body will keep pumping out insulin to, to deal with that high level of glucose. Yeah. 
So you know, the pancreas is working overtime to try and control it. Now, long term, and this is where you get to type 2 diabetes, is your pancreas just gets worn out and can't produce insulin anymore. Then you have to go on to insulin injections. Unlike type 1 diabetes, where you know, your body just doesn't naturally produce Yes, genetic. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, you're born like that. So, um, in this one, you know, talking about type 2, it's more um, generally a lifestyle thing. Yeah. Although there is hereditary uh, problems. Like for me, my problems with the T3 cells, not uptaking as much blood glucose as it should. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have higher blood glucose in my blood if I leave it uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you want me to convert. In a sense, convert that to, um, you know, into the energy that you need, rather than just floating around in your blood. And then yeah. Eventually, install this fat. So, mm-hmm. it's about utilising the energy. And the other thing is, insulin, uh, you know, du- you know, insulin, well, not sensitivity, um, resistance. Me, resistance. You become insulin resistant because, like, that's the problem I've got is nat- natural T3. It's the resistance. It doesn't want to allow the energy into the T3 cell, you know, and not for any particular reason. And just my body is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not. But yeah. Yeah. Body, but, you know, T3 cells point. are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, so it can but on ninety, probably ninety percent of cases is manageable through diet stuff but you know because you know blood you know blood glucose is affected by what we intake what we output mm-hmm. yeah you've got to be using you, you've got to be active to use up the glucose if you've got all this glucose flying around but you're not active there's nowhere yeah. to send it yeah. so it just gets warehoused yeah in a nutshell yeah i'm going too much off on a tangent no 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 i think Perfect. that that's that's great and you know Generally, with everything in our body, we've talked about that before, homeostasis, our body likes things to be stable. So, of course, when you eat, and you know, even if you eat protein and fats, you know, your blood glucose will go up. It does, it's not just carbs, but, you know, it'll, it'll go up and then it'll come down. And you want that to be pretty stable throughout the day. But, you know, what happens to a lot of people due to well their lifestyle you know how they eat you know that kind of person who doesn't eat breakfast gets to eat this or you know has just coffee for breakfast you know that that often causes you know a a real spike in your blood glucose which as Andy just said that you know signals to the pancreas to release insulin and what it can do is it shuttles all that glucose into the cells really quickly so then your blood sugar kind of crashes and that's when you know you just you feel really like foggy headed you're just tired maybe hangry and you know for some people that's their day these like like spikes and dips uh, uh, everyone calls it like the blood sugar roller coaster and um (laughs) and it is and that is a stress on your body when you do that um it's easy to look we look at toddlers. You give toddlers a load of sugar, watch them run around mad for the next half hour, watch them become really cranky, and then, oh. then watch them pop 
pass out on the that that is such a good example. It's perfect example. It, it, re- it really is, and I mean, the thing is, like that, it's a vicious cycle because you know when when it crashes, you want more, you want more sugar, you know, and so some people that's what they'll do, and then if you're reaching for something which is very sugary, which is gonna probably cause it, you know, a big, a big blood um, glucose spike, and that just leads to it again and yeah like Andy was saying like if you do this chronically that can cause that's what causes problems um you know it causes inflammation which is sort of the root of many chronic diseases um and yeah insulin resistance is just not a good thing and sadly I would say a lot of people live their lives like that um And so that's where managing your blood glucose becomes really important. And from from a sort of a general population lifestyle perspective, if we're now looking at bodybuilders, um, and there's quite a few of you who are who listen here, you know, you this is such a good thing for you to do i think especially if you're going into an off season or a build season where you are increasing your carbs you know it can just help guide you because again like if you're someone like andy um you know you'd probably just have to be a little bit more vigilant and structured in how you increase your carbs because you can you can still do it but you know if you're just pounding that food and it's not being used and partitioned effectively, you know, for building muscle, um, for energy, and it's just going to body fat, you'll see a poorer body composition, um, amongst other things, and that can just be a signal to be like, okay, whoa, you know, maybe you need to just pull your carbs back a little bit, or, you know, be more, like, yeah, structured with nutrient timing, things like that, and there are some supplements that you can use to help as well, um, so it's yeah I think if you are a bodybuilder it's it's a really useful tool um and also I know like sometimes after some you know heavy sessions you actually go the other way you go hypoglycemic um and I don't know if you guys have had that before but it, I've had it a couple of times and yeah. it's really horrible yeah. like you just yeah even prep prep is yeah. yeah especially during prep I was going to yeah. say Morning cardio, you just got no blood glucose left. Actually, on deficits, yeah, on deficits, you notice it very, very quickly. You, your, it's just even how you work. Your productivity sort of dies out quickly. Even if you're, like personally, from working or reading, my my brain just goes into, like, when I start, say maybe I'm doing a checking or reading a book, and I read that line five times over and over I just know okay there's this is this is it. I'm I'm done. My brain Yeah your brain needs glucose. That's yeah, its preferred it's... fuel source. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I do think everyone when they're you know, and I I did post that it's about structuring how to do use your carbs in a day. Yeah. You should really focus and then in the off seasons they're different. Yeah, you know, predominantly your carbohydrate should be around when you're expending the most energy. Mm-hmm. You know, that training window or, you know, post-cardio or, you know, when you're the most active. So I always say to people, pre-training, intra-training, post-training. 
that's when you want your most carbs. Yeah. Save a little bit from before bed, but you actually, if depending on, if you're not training till the afternoon, your first meal of the day probably is better to be higher protein fat. But, well, keep like you know, to keep protein stable, but higher fat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lower carb because you just don't need it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You, it's not saying no carb, but lower, and then you know use the majority of the carbohydrates when you're going to need that energy. That way, you're utilizing. But the blood glucose effectively. Yeah, true. Yeah, no, it's such a great way to do it. And then of those carbs, they can be more of the sort of simple carbs, you know, like your rice, cereal, um, you know, fruit, things like that. And then the the carbs that you eat outside of that window can be more complex, you know, carbs, you know, a lot of carbs from veggies is great, you know, from oats sort of more of those kind of whole grains and because when when you when you exercise like regardless of insulin actually you know your your cells are more receptive to taking in glucose so you know it's good to keep that in mind too why exercise is so beneficial um no i was going to say and since you're on food i guess that's where things like fast food really affect it, uh, affect your blood glucose badly. Because you've mentioned, you know, the complex, simple carbs and really whole foods. But nowadays you notice the trend is like a lot of people, especially in the office, always opt for fast food, you know, sitting down all day. Yeah, and simplified, simplistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then combined with sitting, so sitting. you're not you're not using you're not using it. It's yeah, no, it is for sure. Um, so that's I mean, you can also look at you know the glycemic index of foods there, which it it mm. is, it can be useful, but people react differently to different foods as well, which is where measure, uh, monitoring your blood glucose can be very interesting, and yeah, you know. It's why it's always important to to pair, you know, carbs with another macronutrient or preferably like a balanced meal, um, t- to slow down, you know, that absorption of of um, the glucose so it doesn't spike. So you know, if you're just eating, or you just drink a, a soda with nothing, you know, that's that's gonna that's gonna cause a pretty high blood glucose spike there. <laughs> People forget like some things they consume have, you know, impacts on blood glucose. We were talking the other day about coffee, mm-hmm, caffeine mm-hmm. in general, you know, and how that affects blood glucose. And it may be other things like you know it could be, you know, like a bit of Robinsons, but actually there's still, you know, some some carbohydrates in there. You know, um, you know I have noticed with Diet Coke it doesn't change my blood glucose at all actually. Mm. Caffeine levels are obviously not high enough. Yeah. It's only like a monster I tend to pair with foods nowadays. Mm. So I'll have it when I'm with a meal, like just after a meal usually. Yeah. So I'm already digesting stuff, so it's going to have less of an impact. But, you know, generally, if you are on empty stomach and, you know, you are using caffeine to pick yourself up because, rather than, you know, you think, oh, I'm not going to use like a sugary thing because... You know, it's gonna affect my blood glucose more, or affect my diet more. By having caffeine, you can have a you know a spike in 
ugly place anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting because when like I started with JP, that's the first thing he did in terms of nutrition. He cut out any, because maybe a, I wrote out the plan and it's like, uh, if I felt hungry, I'd have a chocolate an hour later, maybe eat the meal. So he said, the way you've said you have your monster with your, you know, your meal. And so that's the same thing he did is like, have like structured meals if you want your chocolate, which I have before I sleep, my last meal, so that digestion works on on all your macros as a unit and doesn't, you, you know, your blood sugar is not up and down every hour because maybe you had rice, you had your intra workout, you, you know, it's, yes, you're eating good whole foods, good foods, but your your blood glucose is just up and down. So we want to try to keep that state as stable as possible. Yeah. We know when, know when the spikes are and, and purposely have them. You know, as we just said, like you're training or you're about to do a hike. You know, great, you know, you do an evening walk, have a meal before that, so you're actually utilizing. Because the other thing I say to clients is every time you eat, spend 10 minutes after just having a little stroll around, you know, get the body thinking, oh, yeah, a bit of activity, let's use some of this blood glucose there. True. Such an easy way to do it. I think that's such a good, uh, a good, you know, tip. You yeah. know, getting, getting in just some movement afterwards. Because the problem is, is when you're, but glucose stays high. Like it, it should come down. I would say what within two hours. Yeah, within an hour and a half to two hours, it should be. It should be down. back down to your normal level. So you know, if it's staying high for, for like four hours, that's when you get problems. And um, like insulin affects so many other hormones. So for women, <laughs> it's gonna affect your sex hormones big time. Um. For women with PCOS, you know, uh, one of the the roots of PCOS is insulin resistance, you know, and it kind of creates a a vicious cycle here, um, with when you are insulin resistant and you know not paying any attention to your blood sugar, you know, it can increase your testosterone, it can cause estrogen dominance, it you know. It can cause a lot of problems. So, you know, insulin is a really important hormone to look after. And, you know, so if you are experiencing, you know, or if you, you've listening to this and you're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's me. You know, I have my coffee in the morning. Then I'm out at the office or battling my tattoos to get to work because stress. Extra stress. Stress is a big <laughs> one, as always, mm. as always. Um, and it is interesting to see how that affects your readings. As is lack of sleep, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, all, all the usual culprits are there. Um, I think while we're talking about this, the other thing, yeah, you know, it's not just type two diabetes. Yeah, you know, we should also mention gestational diabetes yeah, because yeah. one thing, you know, you know, it is quite relatively common for women to get come diabetic of pregnancy and then that goes away after. But it also doesn't help when you are pregnant, attacking food like you're eating for two because one of the people is not a whole person they're a tiny little person mm. so we don't need a lot like but you know and that's the thing like you know there is a lot more hunger during pregnancy but you know some hormones are all over the place but you've got to be careful because you know if you're snacking throughout the day because you're pregnant your blood glucose is going to be all over the place 
and it's already affected by the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to become gestational diabetic, become a gestational diabetic. You know, purely, yeah, you, but you can, if you look after yourself and follow the same principle, mm-hmm. you know, you can stabilize the blood glucose relatively straightforward. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, so if you do want to test your blood glucose, you can buy what's called the glucometer and it, you can get them from any chemist pretty much or if you live abroad from Amazon, most places. Sorry, there's a big airplane going overhead. And uh, the actual machine itself is not expensive. I mean, it's, it's what, maybe $20 less? Uh, yeah, we're talking on average twenty to thirty dollars. Yeah, yeah. just depending on yeah. the brand. Yeah, and then you know it it usually comes with uh, a little, I guess you call it the lancets that will prick your skin, and it's a sort of like a little pen that you put it in, and then you get some strips, um, and yeah, so the the strips are expensive, sadly. Uh, and uh, then the cost of more than the monitor, mm. that's how you make it funny, I suppose. But if you buy on bulk, yeah. like you know, through somewhere like Amazon and get it sent to Kenya, it can work out okay. I get my one back in the UK, but I buy like a thousand bit of time. Mm. Um, yeah, no, that's that's yeah, that's the way to do it because you know. I mean, it's up to you, like, how often you want to test it. But if you get into it, it can be interesting, like, to see how you respond to different foods. Then you might go through a lot. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... Like, when, when I first started, I used to do... Obviously, fasted. Um, then I would do pre-meal, post-meal, pre-meal, post-meal, across all my meals. Yeah. For about a month. Yeah. And then after that, I just now just do fasted. And, you know... If I feel a bit off, I might do it midday, in you know, middle part of the day, or between yeah. meals, just to uh, make sure it's upsetting. But I know if I wake up and I fast blood glucose is in good order, generally, yeah. it should be in good spice. When I, you know, it's when you wake up and your blood, fast blood glucose is you know, over five, you know, five and a half, say, nanomol. Yeah, you, know, you have to do a conversion. Yes, know. the conversions yeah. are annoying. <laughs> so the yeah, I like that... because it's less simple. Yeah. Under five is good in my mind. Between five and six is okay, but not great. Well, over six is. I guess the rubbish. The easiest way would be to download a chat. I guess if you're going to be doing it. Yeah, yeah. you can get it. You know. Yeah, um, I have a chat. What's in the American is like it is hundreds of deciliters. It's to... it's milligrams per deciliter. So if yeah. if you are using that one, then you want to be between I'd say seventy to ninety. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, to nine, that and that 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 correlates to about four to five. Uh, of the nanomoles, um, you know, if you are a little bit higher, it's it's okay, um, but you would, yeah, ideally you'd like it to be in a yeah, so, lower range. Yeah, it's what we call sort of pre-diabetes is at sort of five point five to six level on uh, nanomole, which is still you can get it down it's when you're consistently at that level yeah. eventually it's going to be consistently above six and up to seven you know um 
you know, that's at fasting, so I'm talking, you know, after food, it's, it's common to be a, a lot higher, you know, even when, you know, it's coming back down, so it's not, you know, it's just a case of when you, you're fasting blood glucose, you want, I always say I want between, you know, really 4.2 to 4.5, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm happy with that. That's where, that's the ideal spot. Yeah, yeah. I think, if I'm I mean, under five, I'm okay. Yeah. I like to see mine nowadays at four point five and below. Yeah. I think so. I'm just so, looking at my uh, chart. I think that correlates to like a, a like the seventies, like a four point yeah. a four point five is. Uh, yeah, sort of higher seventies. Yeah, which I think is that is a good. I think most people though would probably be in like the eighties. Um, not like uh, between 80 to 90 no I was just going to say so for a first timer you suggest doing it fasted pre-meal post-meal so let's say yeah you know, you know it's, it's worth doing that just to oh yeah, I, I, I was a bit geeky I yeah. mine in the chart yeah. So, yeah so you can see it over the course of a day mm. but you know the main the main ones are fasted mm-hmm. post all your meals Hour and a half to two hours post meal. Cross your meal. They're kind of the main ones. The only reason I was doing before is I wanted to see what effect uh, we what, yeah. have. Yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, you, you yeah. want you want it to come back down to near your fasting levels, like one and a half hours to two hours post meal. Mm. So the so even if it is a little bit higher in the morning, as long as it is coming back down after your meals, like within that time frame, that's good. And, you know, of course, like Andy was saying, it is going to spike, but you can see how like different foods cause, you know, bigger spikes or, or lesser spikes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's like yeah, a massive it's one. It might be slow to come down. That's the thing. It's like, you know, how quickly is your body handling that, yeah. You may, if you if you do a blood glucose test that's still high, give it half an hour, check again, and make sure it's just coming back down. It may be just what you've eaten is just a slow up to, you know, really despite your blood glucose, it's just slow, slow to come down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, de- I'm definitely looking forward to trying it one day when we do, like, a, is it pastries or, like, like a nice, like like a eat out something, you know, or when I'm craving. Yeah, we'll pizza. just take our glucometer. Yeah, I've been wearable technology stuff. Yeah, like one diabetics. I don't know if it's amazing for type two type stuff yet. Yeah, general blood glucose. But like that, you can literally look on that phone. It'd be interesting to see. And it shows yeah. you everything. So every time you eat, you can see it on your phone. Like you know, wow. That yeah, because that. Yeah, I'm with this being a bit geeky, probably. Most, you know, general people don't actually need yeah, to worry too much about this. But, uh, yeah, I love that sort of carry on. Yeah, yeah, I would no, love to get no, one. I was just thinking sometimes you do tell clients these things, and yeah, maybe it just goes over the head, like, yeah, yeah, that, that does this. But I think when they can see that data for themselves, it, yeah. it, it'll be. Like Claire was saying, it can be game changing for a lot of people rather than uh, obsessing over the weight weighing scale. So th- this will just well, yeah, I think it's it's super important to say bodybuilding is to manage your carbohydrates properly. Mm. As in, yeah, you don't want to be adding excess body fat. What you you want to make sure that you're partitioning your nutrients correctly. Yeah. The best way to do that is. Um, 
you know, knowing when to put a nutrients in. So, like, you know, that sort of post-training meal, you know, protein carbs, you want to replenish your muscles, you want that protein skin to work. But it doesn't have to be as quick acting as pre-training. Pre-training, you want those carbs in and working. Yeah. And the same with intra. Post, you can, you know, a bit more fat in your meal, just slow down the digestion a little bit. You know, a bit more fiber, you know, slow down and then, you know, you just try and make the most out of your food mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, to work with certain, you know, do its actual work. So I think that's, that's important. Um, yeah, you know, what was it? Sorry, I was just going to say, I'm just sitting there. Um, but, yeah, it comes to me. Um, yeah, so it's about sort of, you know, managing and partitioning. I was going to say, when you start getting older, mm. because of hormone fluctuations, your partitioning of nutrients gets worse anyway. So it becomes even more important when you eat, or, you know, what you eat and when. Um, because, say, for instance, as men get older, testosterone levels drop, therefore nutrient partitioning is affected, and you're more likely to put on body fat, you know, you're more likely to be slightly insulin-resistant or you know, high fast blood glucose levels. So, you know, it does then become even more important, you know, um, and then, you know, you know, with women, you know, you know, hormones have just this massive impact on every food, everyday life. So, you know, and, and nutrient partition is no different. So, the most more we can help with making it easy to partition those nutrients, better. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, women is very interesting. So, during the first half of your cycle, the follicular phase, when, you know, estrogen is dominant, you're generally more insulin sensitive. So... I mean, I don't do this, but I might, I might just for interest, you know, you'll generally do better with carbs then. Um, and then in the second half of your cycle, in the luteal phase, when progesterone is hopefully higher, you will be more insulin resistant. So, you know, won't deal as well with carbs. So some women do, you know, um, set their nutrition up, you know, with their cycle, like more carbs in the first half, less in the second half. Um, but another thing that you can do, and I think we all do this, is just carb cycling. So more more carbs on your training days, and then on your rest yeah. days, you go for higher fats. I mean, calories stay relatively equal because yeah. um, you want to recover. But again, if if you are into bodybuilding a lifestyle there, and you know that is a really great way to to manage. Um, your, you know, your blood sugar and um, carbs as well. I mean, yeah, you you do that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do higher. Well, obviously higher carb uh, pre post training, and then it goes getting lower on training days, and then rest days. I just get the fat up, and then I do it like how Andy does it. I I do added fat spray. Mm-hmm. We have the spray, so there's oil. I just yeah. 10 to 15 sprays on three of my meals uh, if I'm doing chicken meals I'll add the fat and then my beef meal I just keep yeah, it yeah. Yeah. So, and then you on, just have an avocado Leon uh, <laughs> I have peanut butter I have peanut butter <laughs> That's oh, it, but, I do the, the butter with the oats because uh, oats already are, uh, I don't do much because uh, anytime I do a lot of oats my digestion because I do them raw, digestion is already slow enough. Yeah. So I do 
Kiosma Academia, which is nice and yeah. soft and easy. And then, yeah. I like the Mac, Mac oil with olive oil on my spoon, on my spray mm. on top of a little mm. teaspoon of that. Yeah, it's just, it's just yeah. easier to add the fats that way. But well, this is what I said to all my clients. We'll get a little bit off topic, but yeah. <laughs> so you're better off cooking with less fat than adding it back in after because at least you know you're getting that fat mm. unaltered. Un- yeah, because yeah, really, when you are you know tracking fats with the cooking, you don't know how much is burnt off, yeah, true, how much, you know, everything else. So, I'd rather people cook leaner, like you know, I tend to fry stuff. It's not be fine, but do it in water, mm. get a little bit of water so it doesn't stick, get that bubble, chuck everything in. Then after, spray it with oil, yeah. just to know, or put a teaspoon of oil and mix it in, just so I know I'm I think that's the same way we use oil, just for it not to stick. But yeah, yeah it's, it's all in food, I guess, how you, for like us, I guess we've been collecting the data and doing it for a long time. So adding the glucose is it's, it's nice data. It to is. Me. It's it's very interesting because mm-hmm. you know if you have a shit night of sleep, it it will reflect the next day. Oh, just... massively! <laughs> I've seen some terrible fast blood glucose in myself if I don't have a good night's sleep. Like if my sleep is less than seven hours, mm-hmm. and I'm not sleeping, my blood glucose is always a lot higher in the morning. Just so interesting. Yeah. 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 Seven hours sleep and then seven hours or more when blood glucose is good. The longer actually I sleep, the lower blood glucose is when I wake up. Yeah, we did my first measure when I hadn't slept uh, well enough and... Yeah, you, you, I, he freaked out. Yeah. So don't freak out over one measurement, you know, get, yeah, get average. I was slightly, slightly freaked out. I was like, I'm diabetic. I, I was like, oh I, my goodness. I, I, had, I, I, I had to tell myself. It wasn't even that bad. It was 5.2 or something. Yeah, but it's just the way the next day really dropped and it, it showed a clear effect of, you know, bad sleep and... it's just i just i love it for that because you know you don't always see the negative effects of stress or bad sleep but with this it's like you see it what was it you told me actually when you first did it yeah were you playing computer games last night i was like yeah i knew it wasn't stupid it's only a little bit yeah because i I sat and i'm like yeah like five like how what the and then I woke up early because I just, yeah, sleep just died. Yeah, it was a 5.2. I just, five, I just yeah, got it, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a, a yeah, slightly freaked out, but it's when You were, like, all day like, you were like, I'm diabetic. Oh my no, God. all day I was like... <laughs> it's not even... It's, it's not even... It's like... It's not, I don't know if it's not bad. No, it's so, not bad. But it was just bad the whole day. Yeah, I'm that's a 93. That's, you know... But the whole day, I, I, it really disturbed me. Because he was like, I go to the loo a lot at night. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, do I really drink enough water to go... It, <laughs> it messed with my head a bit. Yeah, it does. But, but that's a poor message for everyone. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You can get a bit too like, you know, there's people, I think for the majority of people, it's good to monitor these If you're already a hypochondriac yes. <laughs> and you're worried about things, probably best not to because there's something else. Um, true, true, true. You know, I think, generally speaking, you've got to look at over a period of time. 
you can't do one day, you can't do one minute. Same with blood pressure monitoring. Yeah. You know, I think I said to you, with blood pressure monitoring, you best to do it as many times in a day, across the day, as you can, over a course of like a week, just to one, get used to doing it, because yeah. you know, white coat, you know, uh, white coat stress, where you know, your blood pressure is higher, mm-hmm. because you know, it's just stress like doing it. So the more you get used to it, the better. And that's the thing, like, you know, if it's your first time doing blood glucose reading, and we, don't take me too much into it. Sometimes as well, and as I said to you, you got to make sure you wash your hands properly because there's yeah. sugars on your skin, mm. that can affect the reading. You know, there's, um, there's other things that affect readings. So and sometimes the monitors can be a bit quirky anyway. Mm. I had to do a couple of readings before when we got one that was a bit higher, like, that, that seems a bit strange. So then yeah. we just do another one. I use a different finger, we wash my hands, we use a different yeah. finger. Oh yeah, that's normal. Yeah, it can just be it can just be some of uh, yeah little things that yeah you don't think of that can affect it. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, like any biofeedback, you take averages. Yeah. So this this is no different, and you know, you know, if you're you're if you've had a, a bad stomach, that's gonna affect it as well. Like if you've had diarrhea, you know, yeah. things like that. So it. it it does tie in really well if you are tracking, you know, all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, don't freak out. You can be, you can be, you can be like Andy and make a graph, um, or you can be like me and just have a spreadsheet. I actually yeah. like the graph because yeah, then you the, can really you can just see, see your trends. The well, I put it into an Excel. Yeah. And then I can buy a graph later. Yeah, nice, no, yeah. I, I like that. And and again, like, you do not need to be taking, you know, after every single meal. You don't have to. Like, you can you can want. I mean, just for interest at first, like you want to get a good, a good number of readings so you can get a, a good picture into your averages. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then if you are interested, you know, just to see how certain foods affect you, then go for it. Um, I mean, it'll depend on your budget for the strips as well. But definitely yeah. do, you know, post meal. Um, I, I quite like, I thought it was, you know, I, I just like to do like even after training and then that, you know, that last post meal yeah. there. And post training and then post meal. Yeah. Post training. See how you're doing. Because again, like if you're putting all your carbs there, you want to see how you're using them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's a good one. And like some, you know, it, a lot of it is experimentation, like different combinations of food. You know, are you someone who you know, likes to keep some carbs for sleep, um, you know, does that work for you? Because you don't really yeah, want to go... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't The only thing, as I say, with keeping carbs to sleep is that blood glucose overnight. Yeah. But I always say, you know, having a good night's sleep is as important for blood glucose management. Mm-hmm. So it's a balancing act. I always say don't use a lot of carbs at night. But use a moderate cup. So it'd be slightly higher than, say, some of your other meals mm-hmm. outside that training window. But you don't need loads to shut up or trick the fan to the brain, you know? Mm. You know, so, you know, it's, it's finding what the sweet spot is for you to get a good night's sleep without elevating blood glucose too high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, and and yeah. the same. And we should probably talk about some of our, uh, talk about medication. You know, I had yeah. one client and we, his weight just kept going up, and so I got him to do, like, you know, blood, you know proper fasted blood glucose test at doctors. Yeah. Yeah. We found out, yeah, he had some blood glucose issues. 
Um, you know, so we started him on something I like, which is Burberry, yeah. which is a natural mm-hmm. herb thing. And it's, it's, it's been to, in trials, it's shown to be as effective as metformin. Yeah, yeah. In trials. So that's what I personally take when I got it. I've ran out of them, but I'm actually just managing my blood glucose with low and carbohydrates yeah. a little bit. But um, when, like, when I'm properly into the off-season and I'm really pushing, I'll always have Burberry uh, after every meal. So I'll take, you know, 500 milligrams of Burberry with every meal. So and that just helps with the glucose absorption in the stomach, you know, create a buffer so, you know, you're not creating too much blood glucose. Mm-hmm. Um, Bit like how metformin works, but in a natural way. Mm. Uh, metformin very effective as well. Uh, he went on to metformin because it worked for him better than berberine did, and now his weight's starting to come back down, as it's good. Um, you know, got that under control. But um, you know, that's the thing. You know, you may have a client where you know you are trying to push up cardio up, calories down, and it's not having an effect. You got to think a bit more than. Mm-hmm. We're not trying hard enough. You've yeah. got to eat less. Because sometimes it's just not that. You know, especially, you know, I knew he'd simulation. I was like, I guarantee you've got a blood glucose issue. Let's have a, let's get some blood done. Let's have a, you know, speak to the endocrinologist. Let's see where we are with a few of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, yeah, it showed up quite, you know, easily. But, you know, he was pre-diabetic. I said, all right, let's... Get that sorted before we do anything else other training, yeah. and you know, uh, food wise, let's just keep you, uh, you know, sort of, sort of maintenance thing. Let's see if we can, you know, before we start saying, do more cardio, do yeah. eat less, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, which can have its own issues, you know. So, um, but yeah, so rep four minutes does work, burpees does work. Find what works for you. I'm not sure if you can get Berberine in Kenya. I've never seen it for sale. I, but I have seen other GDAs for sale. Yes, yeah, so just to go. Glucose disposal agent. Exactly. So Berberine is a GDA, glucose disposal yeah. agent, that just helps you intake glucose into your cell. As is cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, that's the other thing. I, I like to add cinnamon, especially my oats and yep. stuff. Add cinnamon yeah. to your meals. Um, that's what Leon did after that big reading. He's like, cinnamon. Cinnamon and pasta. And the the right thing stuff. to remember, and I always see this in uh, people with diabetes posts, once you've gone too far, no amount of cinnamon will sort it out. Um, no, but true. if you are diabetic mm. and you know, it can assist in blood glucose management um, and, yeah, but there are you know, other GDAs in the shops here mm. like if I can Burberry is the most effective one yeah mm. if I go with Burberry I will normally pick up another GDA from somewhere like on the pharmacies or healthy you or somewhere mm. um, you know they're slightly less effective but they still do the job you know there's stuff in there that will you know, do you know help um but yeah, but Burberry's best one. I mean, you know, if they're still not working, speak to doctor, look at metformin. Yeah, yeah. so it is it is a pharmaceutical drug. So, you know, yeah. you're not going to healthy you and getting your metformin. <laughs> yeah. You need to work with your doctor for that. But yeah, it that is. Yeah, will be properly described. Yeah. And yeah. So I think metformin, it helps the pancreas make in- yes. insulin. So it's not a GDA. So no. it's, it is helping... 
with yeah the, your pancreas create um, insulin, insulin and it is very effective and a lot of women with again PCOS use metformin but use it with your doctor and like don't just go and buy berberine because you know just because you do need to be tracking your exactly. your yeah, yeah. point having something else there to try about supplementation this is actual problem you're deficient in anything, you don't need, like, you don't need a multivitamin unless you're deficient in, you know, vitamins and minerals. Yeah. Which most people actually are to a certain degree because of diet, but, you know, it's worth, if it's something Dr. Dean says to me, there's no point taking something unless you actually need it. Yeah, yeah. Because then you can go the other way and have too much of something. Yeah. <laughs> so, check your blood glucose. If you are a little higher, and we're not talking... Yeah, you know, talking nanomole again. Yeah, you know, we're not talking above six. But if you're under six, you know, between five and six on nanomole, you, know, you can start then putting things like berberine in to try and get you sub five. And that's the thing, it's like where you are like maybe pre diabetic or you know, on the borderline of pre diabetes, it's it's worth putting these things in just to see if you can manage it. If then it's not managing it, you know, if you are quite high, you know, you regularly up to sort of level, you know, six nanomole, you probably were speaking to your doctor anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, because, you know, as we said, it, you know, it might be, it can flip easy to being type 2 diabetes. So, you know, you, you want to, you know, I think for your own management, you will be, it's where it's borderline cases. If it's high, and yeah, you know, we're talking pretty high. You go see a doctor. Yeah. yeah, I think if they're also new, like new guys starting to do, join the gym, because I remember like Trojan, everyone would do the weighing scale and that use, useless electrode machine. But I think, if, yeah, if you're starting, you know, New Year's re- resolution, yours, I think you sh- this would be something you can just start tracking and help you with your with your other data and i think i think it'd be a nice addition to a lot of people who especially if you're dealing with obesity and you're just trying to lose weight get fitter healthier also have a look at your family because mm-hmm. you know generally you know we always say type 1 diabetes is hereditary but so with type 2 diabetes there's mm-hmm. hereditary markers you know mm-hmm. people are more pre exposed to it, you know. Mm. Yes, diet plays a significant part in whether it becomes type two diabetes or not, but there is hereditary elements like for me, like you know, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. absorptions like. Um, so you know, look at and if you do have family members who have got type two diabetes, start tracking your own and, and understanding that, you know, better tackle it early, get it under control, because it's only a problem when it goes long periods of time uncontrolled. Yeah. You know, um, and the other thing is knowing that glucose, blood glucose serves a purpose. You know, there's no point trying to go, oh yeah, I'm worried about blood glucose, I'm going to do keto. <laughs> we will, yeah, we will, you know. So that, no, you know, everything serves a purpose. So it's about working out when best to have your higher, you know, glucose spiking foods. And when to have, you know, lower yeah. glucose spiking meals, you know, and then you know, structuring your day so you can get the most out of what you're eating. Yeah. yeah. No, I think. Yeah, I agree completely. So, mm. I mean, to to summarize, 
Um, there are some easy you know, tips that you can incorporate throughout your day to manage your blood glucose, eat balanced, consistent meals. If you're a meal skipper, you're on that blood uh, glucose roller coaster, which is a stress on your body. We do not want that. And as a woman, as bad beer sex hormones. Um, you know, try if you are training, try and get the majority, like 50% of your carbs around that training window and, you know, during your training. Um, save some carbs for, you know, your last meal if that works for you. Take take a you know five ten minute walk after your after your meals. Such a nice thing to do anyway, and you get more steps. You know, head to your chemist, or if you live in Kenya, you go to the MyDawa app. They have a glucometer there, which is a good one, and that will be delivered to you. Um, and start with your fasted um, blood glucose in the morning. I I have like a glass of water before I do it. Sometimes I just go for a little walk before to to chill. I just see I have my next to bed since oh. I wake up and do it. So I want to see what it is raw. Raw, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> well you can be it's like, like well, sometimes I forget it's there, but I leave it on the bedside table next to my lap. Okay. Like so just unzip it. So if you're hard if you're, you're, you're hardcore go raw like Andy. <laughs> or, or if you if you want to be like me, you can have some water and go for a little walk. Up yeah. to you. Um, the fact is, it's just to be consistent. Yes. Yeah. Track. Yeah. Same. What we talk about tracking food is. Yeah. You know, choose a method. Keep with it. Mhm. And then you know, do do your post your post meal, one and a half hours to two hours after that. Check it again. Hopefully, it should be back to around your fasted level. If you want to experiment with other ones, you know, go for it. And I mean, I would, I would work with someone anyway, you know, for berberine, um, you know, like a coach, I think could be really useful because, you know, maybe just making small adjustments to, to, to your nutrition and timing could be what you need, or maybe you know, just to pull back a little bit with carbs. And I mean, if you're eating 150 grams of carbs, you know, you ain't going to need berberine. Um, so, you know, it is worth working with someone who knows what they're doing with that. And definitely, if, you know, your your blood glucose is high, so that's like over 95, over 100 milligrams per deciliter, or, or six nanomol, you know, Work with your doctor and get that checked out. Yeah. You might want to. Um, the other thing is just be a bit more active. No. <laughs> you know, um, if you've got a sedentary job and when you eat your meal and go back to your desk and don't do anything, you know, again, you're not using, utilizing blood glucose. A quick 10 minute walk, walk around the office, walk down to the car park and back, you know, wherever it may be, it's more beneficial than just eating, sitting down, or moving. And even worse, compounded with that, then you then you're under a lot of stress at work, and you know the stress response is releasing blood glucose into your system. So it's just like double whammy there. So just keep that in mind, you know. And yeah, build build up a, a picture of your overall health, and you can find you know what you need to work on. And for most people, that is stress, mm -hmm. that is sleep. <laughs> um, 
But yes, we hope you've enjoyed this episode on blood glucose. If you do have any questions, you can contact any of us. And um, yes, next next week we're hopefully hopefully having our colleague on who is a diabetic, and how she has managed. Um, yeah, how she manages it, as she's also into training and nutrition and all of that. So stay tuned yeah. for that one. I don't know any parting thoughts, gents. Well, I think looking at forward to uh, having a conversation with Fleur about type one diabetes because it is a it is a challenge. For anyone who's got type one diabetes, you know, it is a real roller coaster. Certain foods have effects and different, you know, and it's going to be really interesting because you know I don't I'm not an expert type one diabetes and I'm not an expert type two, but I um yeah it's it's very interesting the impact it can have. And I don't know if any people listening are type 1 diabetics, but we may get something, you know, get a lot from that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it is fascinating. And, and also the technology now that, you know, like the yeah. constant blood glucose monitoring, and um, which can be so that's helpful. Amazing. Yeah. Connected to your Apple Watch, I think that's, you know. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that's where keto can be useful for some people. Yeah, um, definitely, if, if you need to. Mm. Yeah. It does have a place. It, it does have a place. Mm. <laughs> anyway, so we'll, that will be next week. But yes, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. <laughs>